0: Welcome to Odd's Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. I'm glad to see you've returned to Odd's Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper chris baker and today we've got a peculiar item this is new to the shop if i take a look over here on the bookcase of fables lost manuscripts and forgotten tomes let me pull out this selection we've just got this in the shop it is a book of short stories but not just any short stories these are horror stories And not just any horror stories. Of course, I always enjoy horror stories that are very regional. Every section of the world, every region of the world has their own particular set of fables and tall tales and campfire stories of things that go bump in the night. But this book of stories in particular is a continuation of another book we talked about not too long ago. And these short stories are from a particular region of the American kind. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at season two of American Horror Stories. So American Horror Story is a TV series that I've quite enjoyed. I, I mean... I've enjoyed American Horror Story uh, all the seasons thus far, and it is a series that, you know, I have to kind of take it with a crane of salt because some of the stories can get quite convoluted and quite uh, just a, a little bit much where they take a, a simple premise and... And then just go off in so many different tangents that, while I do enjoy the stories of American Horror Story, uh, the TV series proper, uh, sometimes it just, I'm like, okay, you really didn't need to go off on so many different directions and overcomplicate what should be a very simple story to tell. I think some of the best stories are the simplest ideas and that are told really well. Uh, I've always said uh, a simple story simply told well is the best way to to do horror, I think. You, you overcomplicate things. You over-egg the pudding. Uh, nobody likes eggy pudding. Okay, maybe some people like eggy pudding, but for the most part, nobody wants eggy pudding. And so uh, American Horror Story, it's kind of a bittersweet love I have for that TV series because they do have a lot of really good series, but sometimes within each series, uh, things can get a little bit convoluted. So when they came out with the spinoff series, American Horror Stories, the anthology series, where we got a different episode each week, a different story each week. I was so excited about that, and I I really did enjoy the first season. Uh, I was not terribly impressed with the what was it? Three stories that went back to the first season, the murder house season. Uh, those were just, uh, it felt like rehashing old material that we'd already seen. And I didn't want to see any more of it. But the episodes that I really enjoyed the most were the episodes written by Manny Cotto. And of course, he did uh, a couple of my favorites. Uh, Drive-In, I thought, was really good. Farrell was kind of a standout. Episode of season one. Baal was really good. The Naughty List was really good. So there were some really good episodes that had some really good scares. So when I found out they had renewed American Horror Stories for a second season, I thought, okay, we're going to get some more really good stories. Now, I have to say right off the bat that I was a little disappointed in season two. Uh, There were some stories that I did enjoy. But I don't know. It just really felt like some of the stories, even the good stories, even the stories that Manny Kodo wrote, which were the ones that I was really looking forward to, they just really didn't seem to have a really succinct ending to it. Uh, I think probably one of the biggest problems I had were some of the endings. But we're going to kind of break down each episode briefly. I don't want to linger too long on each episode, but uh, I do want to talk about uh, each episode, what I thought of it, uh, some of the some of the things I liked about it, some of the scarier episodes. I'm going to talk about them. So uh, we're going to kick off with. The episode, I thought, was a perfect way to start the second season of American Horror Stories. It was called Dollhouse, and this was a Manny Cotto-written short story. This doll maker, Van Wurch, played by uh, the incomparable Dennis O'Hare, this guy just uh, does such fantastic work on this series, and he's always such a flamboyant actor, and he just uh, plays things with such pizzazz that he can't help but steal scenes whenever he's on the screen but van word is this toy maker who abducts women in order to find the perfect one who will be the mother the new mother to his son otis and he's captured all these women and he has them kind of held captive in this house uh, and it, it's like a, a giant dollhouse. And these women have to dress up as living dolls and go through these tests to prove their worthiness. And kind of, if you fail the test, you die. And it just, I, I think one of the things I really liked about it was the tension that this whole episode built around these tests and who was going to fail. And we have this one character that we're kind of following uh, Colby and you is she going to fail? We think, well, you know, if she's going to be the last one standing, she's going to be really good at these tests. And it turns out she's not so good. And you're, you're worried about whether she's going to make it or not. And, you know, it just always seems like somebody is just a little bit worse than she is. And it, turns out she has telekinesis and there's a lot of interesting things with this how she connects with the child otis and when they're going through these tests they have to dress up in these costumes and wear these like porcelain masks and that just in and of itself is creepy and then at the very end i like how they see that's what they they did wrong i think with the first season because you had three episodes all dedicated to the murder house season one story plot and where this It made reference to and had a connection with the coven season, but it didn't really dwell on that. You didn't get this revelation until the very end, and you just got a little taste of it. And it was like, oh, okay, I'm connecting the dots here. And that was a nice way to reference some of the other seasons without uh, just going overboard and dedicating three episodes of your seven-episode season of of Anthology stories. So I, I really liked Dollhouse. Uh, Dino Sahara was fantastic. It was a great way to kick off season two. Uh, the next episode was Aura, which I thought was a fantastic idea for a a horror story because it kind of went with this idea that these smart doorbell systems like ring and stuff like that uh, had the idea that they could be a conduit for ghosts to communicate. And I really loved uh, Gabourey Sidibe. Of course, you know her from Precious, and she's done a lot of other stuff, but uh, she just did a really good job with this. If you've ever seen any interviews with her, she just seems like such a sweetheart. And she really kind of portrayed that type of character in this. You just really felt for her. You empathized with her. When she's seen this weird guy uh, come to the door through this this video smart doorbell, and and just the creepiness of that and then it all turning out that that he's a ghost just trying to to make amends with her it was very heartwarming and touching uh, but then on the flip side you find out that her husband is not such a nice guy and he has a ghost visit him and it, it was just all done very well it was quite creepy uh, I know I heard a lot of people didn't care for the episode but I really enjoyed this uh, was it the best episode no but I thought it was a really solid episode and a and an idea that I thought really made for an interesting story episode three was a an episode entitled drive and I again I thought it was a really good idea and actually a really good episode for the most part uh it had this whole idea of who's the real serial killer it had shades of that old urban legend about the woman driving and somebody's behind her with the high beams on and honking their horn and then when she gets home she finds out the guy was trying to warn her because there was a serial killer in her back seat it kind of had shades of that well, not even shades of that. That's that they kind of went that route, but kind of flipped the script on that old urban legend. It had an interesting twist at the end between the the main character and her husband, which I I really I saw coming to a degree, but not to the but not to the degree where I really knew the specifics of the twist and the reveal at the end. Uh, my only problem with this episode because it was creepy. It was kind of a who done it. There was a lot of mystery as to to who is the serial killer that we keep getting references to. And and is this main character Marcy is she is she in danger and, and, and if she's in danger from who? But Bella Thorne played the the lead character, and I just I, I don't know what it was. Something about her acting just really kind of took me out of it. It just very felt very uh, lifeless, and I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not a very familiar with her body of work, but I just I, I thought this. Uh, Was really a miscast, and I I think if they would have cast somebody else, this could have been a lot more engaging and uh, a lot better story. Because I think the story in in and of itself was good. I just think the that aspect of it, you know, she's on the screen for this whole uh, this whole episode, and it just really uh, didn't do anything for me. Really good episode, except for the fact that Bella Thorne's acting was a little suspect. Now. Number four episode in season two of American Horror Stories was, and I I put in my notes, train wreck, exclamation point. I'm surprised I didn't put more exclamation points. Uh, Milkmaids was just fucking horrible. It was a, a period piece back in 18th century New England. There's a smallpox outbreak. And this story didn't, know whether it wanted to preach to me about religious hypocrisy. It didn't know whether it wanted to preach to me about COVID or COVID deniers, science deniers. It didn't know if it wanted to preach to me about the science, hallowed be thy name. It didn't know if it wanted to preach to me about Republicans. It it really was just a a vehicle for the writer uh, Our Lady J, which I, I know she's a a songwriter and she's a musician she's done some other stuff but really this was like somebody somebody's little passion piece uh they wanted to to put a lot of these social issues of today in an 18th century story uh there's also uh, the patriarchy and all that uh, involved with this as well it spent so much time trying to preach to me that it just was not scary if anything it had some like gross out horror with the small pox scenes which was disgusting do not watch this episode uh after you've eaten because you'll you'll regret life uh it, it had a cast I, it looked good on paper uh cody fern i really liked him from the american horror story uh seasons that he he's done uh seth gable was fantastic as the preacher. It's just very over the top and just a flamboyant performance and just very sinister in a holier than thou kind of way. He was really uh he was really fun to watch, but other than that, the acting and the writing of this was just oh, it was it was abysmal. It was a, it was a real trudge to try and get through milkmaids. Number five was probably one of my favorite episodes, Bloody Mary. Kind of took the Bloody Mary urban legend, tied it with a slavery era curse, which I thought was an interesting take on that. I loved this because it had some really good, legitimate scares, not just jump scares. I mean, it, it set mood. It set tension. It, Set uh, an atmosphere in some of these Bloody Mary scenes that were just creepy as fuck. And the acting was really good. I really enjoyed all the the young girls that they had in this acting. uh, They they did a fantastic job, especially Quivenjanae Wallace, who played Bianca, like kind of the main character, and Raven Scott, who played her sister, Elise. uh, They did a fantastic job. They had a lot of really good, believable chemistry uh, as sisters and and really enjoyed their dynamic. Uh, Dominic Jackson as Bloody Mary was fantastically sinister and just really brought a lot of uh, creepiness and a lot Of tension to to any of the scenes she was in. She brought some real legitimate scares, you know, not like jump scare scares or atmosphere scares, just based on her performance. Uh, She really added some fear factor to this that was quite enjoyable. And it had a a bit of an interesting twist. It got a little complicated towards the end, but I think it, it worked in the end when you have all the reasons for Bloody Mary doing what she does for Bianca and at least doing what they're doing and and where Bianca finds herself at the end, I thought uh, it was an interesting take on this story and an interesting way to take this story. And uh, the writer Angela L. Harvey, I think, did a fantastic job in this. I really enjoyed this one. Again, probably next to one of the stories we're going to talk about coming up here towards the end of the season, uh, this and that were probably two of my favorite episodes. Episode number six was Facelift, starring uh, the incomparable judith light you may remember her from who's the boss and i mean she's been on tv and film for for decades now, and she's actually going to be in the horror film with Ray Fiennes and just a ton of of stars, uh, The Menu. She's going to be in that coming up, so I can't wait to see that. But this was an interesting story because it really had a lot to say about things going on in society today that have been going on for decades, but it really didn't... I, I don't think it beat you over the head with any preachiness, just the fact that this is a thing that women go through, and that is the expectation of of aging women. You know, aging women, I think a lot of women feel when they get older uh that they're looked down upon because they, you know, their their bodies aren't the same as they were, you know, they've got laugh lines and wrinkles like they didn't have before. And I think especially in Hollywood, I think a lot of women feel like they're kind of cast aside once they hit a certain age. Whereas actors, there's there's always this kind of I, I don't know, I don't want to call it a myth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, because the older men, when they reach a certain age, they become more quote-unquote distinguished looking. And and while that is true, you know, you got a lot of the, the guys that get older, the, the Richard Gears and the George Cloonies and, you know, all these older actors that uh, get the salt and pepper hair and they're still getting big lead roles and stuff like that. But for every George Clooney and Richard Gear out there, <laughs> there are uh, guys like me that just get fat and bald So I, I think it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that men age and get distinguished because not all of us feel very distinguished but especially in Hollywood like I said there's this kind of uh, expectation of women to uh, do what they have to to stay looking a certain age and this this episode really kind of addresses that. Uh, Judith Light is an older woman and she wants to be able to to look like her. Uh, dreamboat next door neighbors new girlfriend who looks like she's you know 20 years younger than she really is so she goes to a place that deals in well allegedly deals in that sort of thing uh, it's not a plastic surgery thing they don't really go into details of what's going on at this place only that she, is going to be perfect for it and we get a little bit of a teaser if you haven't seen it there's a bit of a teaser as to what's to come uh in a painting but she undergoes this procedure and is all wrapped up and when she's all wrapped up in these bandages uh i just got a lot of good night mommy vibes but but that didn't really have anything to do with it it just was kind of a, an aesthetic thing but when we find out when she is finally unveiled uh, at this big uh, big party we'll say Uh, The results are shocking and frightening, and it's a bit of body horror. And when we find out why she is transformed into what she has transformed into, the the prospect of that is frightening. Now, how it plays out from there was a little lackluster. Uh, I didn't really get a sense. I got a sense of fear from Judith Light. I just didn't get the feel that she was running for her life from this and and i i don't know uh you know if if it was just from a physical performance standpoint maybe they could have got a stunt double to to make it really feel like she's running for her life she's a lot of stumbling and and wandering around it it, it kind of missed the mark there but the But the whole idea of it was really good. Now, there is a bit of a a reveal with her stepdaughter that felt a little forced and like a little too much. Like you didn't have to do this to make this story scary. It was a twist that, I don't know, just felt a little superfluous. So I wasn't really big on the twist with the stepdaughter, but all in all, I enjoyed this episode. Again, another Manny Cotto written episode, which was was really good. Episode number seven, probably one of my favorite episodes, uh, called "Necro," written by Crystal Liu. Uh, it was a fantastic episode about this uh, this mortician, Sam, and she has this fixation with death. Her mother was killed as a as a baby, and she's just had this real weird relationship with death and and then she meets a guy who uh, seems to have that same fascination with death that she does and they bond over that until he pulls a kind of a, a sick joke but no more sick than what she does uh, during this joke which kind of ruins her life and then the ending kind of uh they they reconcile and they're going to spend the rest of their lives together. Uh, it, it was just such a a great idea, an interesting take on it. I was expecting the whole time for this this guy that she's working with, Charlie, to to find out that he was actually dead. They didn't do that, which it would have added an interesting supernatural twist to it. But I think it was far more disturbing. That he wasn't dead, and she still did what she did, <laughs> and uh, given the circumstances, and it, it was just a, a really grisly and bizarre, and uh, it just had some unnatural of uh, tones to it, and then the ending felt very much felt very tales from the crypt. Uh, I really dug that about it. So, Necro had to be one of my favorite episodes, if not my favorite episode of this season. And counting at number eight on the episode list was Lake, which this was a, an episode of American Horror Stories that I wanted to like more than I actually did. It starred Alicia Silverstone, which Alicia Silverstone, I hadn't seen her in anything for quite some time. So, to see her now... Uh, I'm, you know, back in the nineties when she first kind of broke out, she always played the teenager and now she's in her mid forties and now she's playing the mom. And it was just really kind of weird after not seeing her in much, uh, at least nothing that I've watched, uh, to see her playing a mom now, it just, it made me feel old, so, but she looks great and, and she did a good job with this. Uh, some of the acting in this was a little... Uh, a little weak, and not Alicia Silverstone. I thought she did a fine job. Just there was some acting. the The father, he didn't do it for me. the The daughter didn't do it for me. She just, eh, I, I just never got any real believable emotion from her but there's this son who actually did do a good job I, I can't remember the name of the the young man who played the son but he ends up accidentally drowning in this lake in front of his sister and it's under suspicious supernatural circumstances of uh, something grabbed him and pulled him pulled him down and alicia silverstone and her daughter are going to investigate this and find the body that was never recovered and we find out that the father is relatives to nefarious people and bad people that uh, flooded this town to build this dam and, and create this lake that killed a lot of people. And, and he gets his comeuppance. And it really turned into kind of like a the fog meets Night of the Living Dead sort of scenario. But it wasn't directed well. You had some of the ghouls that came up from the lake Holding the mother and daughter back, and and while they took off the father, and it just seemed kind of lame. Uh, they're crowd surfing him into the water. Just uh, I I just I like the idea of this. I liked where the story was going. I just didn't like how it was played out, and I don't know whether to blame the directing on that. Or, or who to blame. This is a Manny Koto story, so I, I, I like the story in and of itself. Again, it went a little too complicated in the big reveal of who is behind all this and why the dead are, are coming back to to kill his family. But it just it just wasn't done very well, I, I don't think. And it was a really, I thought, a really good idea for a story, just not well executed. And that's, like I said, no fault of Alicia Silverstone because I think she was the best out of all the actors in it as well. So ultimately, season two of American Horror Stories was, was okay. It, it had a few episodes that I really did like and really enjoyed. Uh, there were some episodes that... Uh, We're just kind of so-so. Like I said, some of the endings got a little too complicated and a little too convoluted. And then there's that godforsaken milkmaid episode that was just fucking awful. (laughs) So American Horror Stories, uh, the first season, I I loved most of it, except for those murder house episodes. Uh, There were a lot of really good episodes in that. Uh, so I had a lot of expectations for season two, especially if they weren't going to do any episodes solely devoted to old seasons of American Horror Story, which they they didn't do to their credit. But then some of the episodes just kind of felt like they had a good idea, just didn't know how to flesh it out properly. And you had a lot of episodes that were, again, just so-so, whether it was because of the writing Uh, The directing, or in a couple cases, like Drive and Lake, the acting really failed the episode as much as anything. So again, I didn't hate this season. I didn't love it. I wanted to love it. It had a basis for a lot to love, but it just didn't pull through on on a lot of the episodes. I'm hoping they're going to get a, a third season out of this because I really do like the idea. I like like I said, there are there were a lot of good episodes in season one. There were a couple really good episodes in season two. There was like a few episodes with a lot of great potential in season two. Uh, it just didn't meet its full potential. And I'm hoping with a third season, third times the charm, and we might get uh, a really good season top to bottom of all original stories. Uh, you know, i I'm a dreamer. So if you haven't checked it out, check out American Horror Stories Season 2. It's got some pretty good scares. There's, like I said, a couple episodes that, that were really creepy. A few episodes that were really creepy and had uh, some, some good scares to them. It's definitely worth a watch to see what you think. Because you may you may be a little more forgiving about some things than I am. Uh, like I said, there were some episodes that had really good acting. There were only a couple. Like I said, the Lake episode had some bad acting. Drive, I liked all the actors in that, except for Bella. Thorn. They had a really couple good standouts. The uh, Bloody Mary episode was fantastic as far as the acting goes. For the most part, the directing was really good, and the the atmosphere. They did a good job on some of these episodes of really setting an atmosphere and a a great look. The the production design, I thought, was, was pretty good on a lot of these episodes, but it didn't meet the bar of the first season, and I wanted it to meet or surpass the bar that was set by the first season. And it just didn't happen. So, I want to thank everyone for taking time to listen to my thoughts on American Horror Stories Season 2. An okay season, but check it out for yourself. Uh, while you're checking that out, you can also check out Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop on Facebook. We're posting trailers to the latest movies and series coming out. Uh, we're posting articles on horror fantasy and sci fi that are find all over the internet and adding my two cents uh, from time to time. And no matter where you listen to this podcast, please leave a review. Five stars would be great would love it and would appreciate that and and please uh, download subscribe like follow all that jazz share the podcast with anyone you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction so until next time thank you for visiting odds bonkins curiosity shop we hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon but even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. <laughs>